saved, but also to serve Him. And so that song applies to all of us. In John chapter 4 in your Bibles, if you would please, John chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. If you're new to your Bibles, the book of John is the fourth book in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the Old Testament, uh, New Testament, excuse me. If you go to the Old Testament, you won't find it. Um, fourth book in, in the New Testament, and we'll be going to the fourth chapter, John chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse number 1, just a, a wonderful, true account of one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. And when I, I, I try to find different ways to say that because these aren't fictional stories. They are stories, but they are real events that took place in history that have been confirmed by not just those who were a part of writing the Bible, but these events were confirmed by historians that these things took place. What the Bible says they cannot really refute because Jesus really lived and he was really here and he really did these things. So instead of being able to refute that the Bible is true, they instead of being able to do that, instead of being able to prove that, uh, to prove that Jesus was not real and that he did not exist, instead they just try to prove that he wasn't the Son of God. Because they don't want you to believe that he is God. Because if he is God, then that means that the messages he preached were true. And if the messages he preached were true, then that means we're all sinners and we need to be saved from our sin. But people don't want to admit that they're sinners. They want to just continue living in their wickedness and their drunkenness and in their adulteries and in, their, in, in all of the wickedness of this earth. And so if you admit Jesus is real, then you have to admit what he preached is true. And if you admit that what he preached is true, then that means you have to admit you're a sinner. And people don't want to do that. So instead of being able to prove that he wasn't real and that these things didn't happen, they can't do that because they know it did. They just try to discredit who he was. He's just another prophet. He's just another good man. That's what they try to do because they cannot prove that these things didn't happen. They know they did. And one of the most beautiful stories of Jesus' life happens in John chapter 4. Let's all stand to our feet if we could please in honor of the word of God. We pick it up in verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and, and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must, he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. We see the humanity of Jesus. He was 100% God, but he was also man, and he got tired and hungry. Verse number 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, Askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. There was literally a little racial thing that was going on between the Jews and the Samaritans. They did not like each other. Jews believed that Samaritans were half-breeds. They were essentially partially uh, from the bloodline of Israel and partially not. So they looked down upon them. And there were other religious things that were going on there as well that they had tensions over. And so the Samaritans 
they, they knew many of the scriptures and believed many of the things that were in the scriptures, but they also kind of had their own way of believing their own thing. And the Samaritans and the Jews, they were always at odds with each other. So this woman is shocked. Why is this Jewish man speaking to me? I'm a Samaritan. They don't do those kind of things. Verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith thee, give me to drink. Can you imagine? If she just knew she was talking to the Son of God himself, that would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please imprint even now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the truths of your word upon our hearts and minds. Help me to preach according to your will. We pray these things as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. I stopped reading there because there's still quite a bit of ground to cover in this passage, but we're going to skip a few things. The story that you just read, Jesus is journeying, and he's on a journey because his personal life is under attack. The Pharisees can't stand him. Uh, they're a Jewish sect of religious people who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God or don't know what to think of him. And they're ultra-religious and they, many of them make claims about Jesus that are not true and they keep trying to, to prove that he's not the Son of God. Now some of the Pharisees believed on him. One of those was named Nicodemus. There were some who came to Jesus and believed that he was the Son of God. But Jesus is basically... Uh, run out of the region that he was ministering in because the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. And uh, so he left Judea and departs again into Galilee. So while he's, while he's, he's leaving uh, that region, while he's leaving Judea and departing into Galilee, he passes through a city uh, called Samaria. I've already mentioned some of the tensions that took place between Jews and Samaritans in those days. It was literally racial issues that were, that were taking place. And Jesus had no time for racism. So he cared for all people and loved all people, and all Christians should. It does not matter what name of the country, what, what the name is of the country that you come from or what the color of your skin is. Uh, God loves you, and every Christian should as well. And the truth is, I believe true Christians do. I, I personally have never met uh, a lot of the supposed racists that news media says are out there. I do believe they exist, but um, I've been around good Christians throughout the course of my life who love all people from all nations, and I think we should. Jesus did. He loves this Samaritan woman, and he comes to minister to her. He asks her to draw him water because he's tired and thirsty. He's sitting on the well. She comes at midday. Why does she come at midday? We don't know all the reasons why that is. God doesn't necessarily explain it to us, but some believe that because she was um, a woman who had had many husbands and, and maybe a philanderer, that uh, she was not welcome with the other women uh, during the normal time of gathering water. You see, most of the ladies would start at the beginning of the day before it got hot in that region. They would come early in the day uh, and grab their water, usually early in the morning before the sun was too high and the heat was too hot. This Samaritan woman comes in the middle of the day. Now, it could be that she just needed water, and, and it may not be that she was an outcast, but because of her background and her lifestyle, which we find, <clears throat> find out about later on in the passage, it's believed that maybe she was a little bit of an outcast and wasn't exactly accepted by others, but she was accepted by Jesus. 
and loved by Him. And it does not matter what your background is or what kind of sins you have been involved in. Jesus wants to save you from yourself and save you from your sins. He loves every person whom He has created and He is plenteous in mercy and ready to forgive. But we must come unto Him and admit that we need to be saved from the sins that we are dying in. This woman comes to the well. Jesus is waiting for her there. Look at verse number 17. Jesus says unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And verse number 17, The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidest truly. So he gets her to admit that she's a sinner. He asked her a question to get her to admit that she was living in sin. He said, go get your husband and then come back. And He knew what the answer was going to be. She says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five other ones, and this guy that you're with isn't your husband now. And he still cared for her. Are we getting the picture? We like to throw people away after their first mistake. Jesus doesn't. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I suppose, after all that, that would be a good assumption to make. And she goes on to explain their religious ideas. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And he says, well, the day will come when all men will worship me, essentially, and that God is searching for those who will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then... She says in verse number 25, let's look at that. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. So she knew that there was somebody that was supposed to come and save them from their sins. That's what she means when she says, I know that Messiah cometh. She's saying, I know that there has been a prophecy that there would be a Messiah that would come. Why did she know that? Because she has roots in the Jewish family. They come from that region of the world and they are mixed with the Jewish people. And so she has heard the prophecies of the Jewish people because that's part of her lineage. Is everybody with me? One saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, verse 25, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Verse number 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. This may be the best soul winner the Bible has ever seen. She gets saved. She runs into the city and tells everybody, Come see a man who I believe is the Christ that we have been searching for. The men of the city come out after her and they go into his presence and many of them believe on him, we see later on in the passage. As I was thinking and praying about the services this morning, a, a portion of this passage stuck out to me. Look at verse number 34. Jesus saith unto them, he's talking to his disciples now because they have come back from the town where they were buying meat. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then he talks to them about this. He says, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. In other words, it was four months before harvest time. And he says, Aren't you all saying right about now that it's about four months until harvest time? Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal 
that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may what? Rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Here's what happens. I want, I want to give you the picture, and then I've got to preach a message fast. That's all introduction to explain the setting so that you can understand the crux of the message and the thoughts that I want to preach to you as quickly as possible. Jesus is witnessing to this woman all by himself. His disciples have gone into the town to buy some meat, right? She comes to, to the well. He witnesses to her. The disciples aren't there. They come back with meat, food to eat, probably meat, probably a sirloin or something like that. And, uh, but they come back with meat and... and they're going to eat lunch now. And they look at Jesus and they see this woman that he's talking to, but none of them really paid attention to her, the Bible says. They didn't really ask him what he was talking to her about or what was going on. They just show up and say, uh, hey, hey, Lord, we've, we've brought some meat. And he says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. What he was talking about was, um, I, I, I am not hungry anymore because I have a burden for the lost people of this region of Samaria. That's what he just said. He said, I talked to this woman and now I have meat to eat that you know not of. And you see, the woman has already left. She has already gone into the town and said, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. So here's the picture I get. He's up there on the mount with her at the well, and he's speaking to her. She leaves. As she's leaving, or as she's still talking to him, the disciples show up. When the disciples come, they don't really think much about the conversation that he's having with that woman. They don't really ask anything about it. So she departs, and she goes into the city. The disciples are now standing there with Jesus, right? And as they are standing there, the Bible says the woman has gone into the city and said, Come see a man who, we believe, who I believe is the Christ. Then the Bible says that those men left the city and went unto him. So here's the picture I get. <clears throat> While Jesus is standing there talking to his disciples, she runs into the city. She tells everybody, I've just met the Savior. They start coming out to the city, up the hill towards Jesus and the disciples. Are you with me? Then the popular passage that so many of us have read, quoted in verse number 35. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, picture what's happening. I believe it's possible that what's happening, maybe even likely, is that while all of these men are coming out of the city unto him, and he's still talking to his disciples, he's not just saying generally look at a city. I think he might be actually looking at the men who are coming to the city to hear from him. And he's saying, look. Look at those people. I'm not hungry anymore because my desire for them to be saved. I desire for them to follow me, to know what it means to have their sins forgiven. And he says, why don't you lift up your eyes and look on the fields? Because you're missing out. Now there are some very interesting things that are happening in this passage. This woman already knew about the Messiah, right? So she had already heard the gospel, right? 
How many times do we as American Christians look out on the fields that are in our midst, in Campbell, Missouri, and in Holcomb, and in Poplar Bluff, and Dexter, and Kennett, and and St. Francis, Arkansas, and Piggott, and Paragold. And how often do we look on the regions that we are in and we see all the churches and all of the times that we've witnessed to our family members and our friends and we just say, well, we've already tried. When the reality is that sometimes I believe what happens is that there are some who prepare the fields and there are some who actually get to reap on the fields and that there was a generation where there was a woman who had already heard about the Messiah. She's already heard the truth of the gospel. She's already heard the prophecies. She knew about him, but for some reason she had not yet come to the truth that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But now she gets presented with the truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and she gets saved. So here is a woman who's already heard it. She's already, where she heard it from, we don't know exactly, but she's already heard it. You know anybody that's already heard it? The people of Samaria had already heard it. And she runs into the city and says, this is the one we're looking for. They already knew what that meant. So they go out to see if this is the one, right? They already knew. She already knew and they already knew. And Jesus said, this is the field that is white unto harvest. What does that mean? If you do a little research on harvest of the fields in those regions, when the fields started turning white, they were already getting to the point where they were about to turn and not be fruitful anymore. When the fields were white, they were this close to not being good anymore. And then Jesus gives His disciples this challenge. Uh, he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. He says you will benefit from reaping the fruit of souls being saved. You'll receive wages for that. And brother, I don't, I don't have time to preach on all of this, but I, I will tell you there is nothing like being able to be instrumental in seeing somebody else, a family member, a friend, somebody that visits the church, a co-worker, a neighbor. There is nothing like seeing somebody get saved and being able to reap in the wages of that situation. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Who is he that soweth and he that reapeth that they may rejoice together? He's talking about those who sowed the seed of the word of God in the hearts of this woman that went before her. He's talking about the people that were the prophets that told her all about the Messiah. He's talking about the fact that she already knew because somebody had prepared the way. That the Samaritans that were coming out of the, the city to him already knew because somebody had already prepared the way and then he says I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor other men labored and ye are entered into their labors and then many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman is everybody with me in other words there were prepared fields that had been prepared by previous generations and all it took was one impactful voice one person to say, I believe. And they all said, let me go see what it is that she believes in. Now here's the thing that we need to all understand. It is not time 
for American Christians to say, but my family has already heard. My co-workers have already heard. My friends have already heard. The people of Campbell have already heard. The people of Holcomb have already heard. The people of Burt. Is everybody okay? It's not time for American Christians at Calvary Baptist Church to say, I tell you what I'm going to do during Missions Month. I'm going to pray about giving more money to missions across the world because that's easy to do, but I don't really believe there is a need here anymore. Just because the people of Campbell may have already heard, just because your family member may have already heard, just because somebody in Malden may have already heard, doesn't mean that it is not our job to try to reap where somebody else has sowed. Just because their mom told them about it doesn't mean you don't need to talk to them about it. Just because their uncle told them about it doesn't mean you don't need to talk to them about it. If they just hear from the right voice, they may believe. Sometimes we dismiss our responsibility in this generation because we say they've already heard. They already know. Calvary Baptist Church has already proclaimed the gospel to this region. What more can we do? How about this? Maybe what was done 50 years ago was planting the seed for somebody to be saved if just you would talk to them. People go their entire lives sometimes believing that they're looking for a Messiah, but their heart's not yet being ready for it. But on this day, this woman's heart was ready for it, and she received the truth of something she had already heard. He says, look, I send you forth to labor in a labor that was not yours. He says, the groundwork has already been laid. I'm asking you just to keep doing the work that your forefathers did, because now it's time for us to reap. In other words... Who's to say that this generation of servants at Calvary Baptist Church may not see the greatest harvest that has ever been imagined in the history of our ministry or in the history of this region because the groundwork has been laid and there is better opportunity today? Who's to say that the greatest reaping isn't already to happen? What if our generation could see one of the greatest reaping times in the history of our nation? What if American Christians just woke up for a little while and stopped saying, well, they've already heard and 70% of of Americans claim to be Christians, so what else am I to do? I'll tell you what we are to do. The fact that there are fields that have been prepared by others means that it might be an even easier harvest for us. Somebody has to be that one voice like this woman was. You say, well, I'm not a soul winner. I'm not very good at these types of things. Listen, she didn't know the Romans' road. She didn't didn't have, from what we can tell, any scriptures memorized. When she ran into the city, she just told them what had happened for her. And it opened up their hearts and made them ready to listen. Are, Are you okay? Please, please understand what I'm saying. When the Bible says that we shall receive the Holy Ghost and then we shall be witnesses unto Him. What is the word witness? Ever been to a court of law? I hate to admit I've been there a couple times. And sometimes, depending on the situation, there will be witnesses. What is a witness? 
In a court of law, what is a witness? It is somebody who saw or experienced something firsthand that can tell the truth about that situation, right? That's what a witness is, isn't it? God didn't call you to memorize all the scriptures before you can tell somebody about Jesus. He didn't call you to that. He said, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost inside of you will make you a witness. What is a witness? It is simply somebody who can sit on a stand and say, let me tell you what I experienced and saw. Hello? All of us can do that. What family member? Maybe the groundwork has been laid by somebody before you. Well, they already know about God. Okay, but have you ever been a witness to them? Have you ever sat down with them and said, let me tell you what God did for me? He could do it for you too. It's all you have to say. Let me tell you about what God did for me and He could do it for you too. And you tell them. Tell, we say, what do I tell them? Tell them what He did. Tell them. I was sitting in a church service and the preacher was preaching and the Holy Spirit of God began to show me that I was on my way to hell and I was lost. And you just, just, just be vulnerable. Express what happened in your heart and tell them about it. I was walking down the street and, and, and this, this, this person from a church came and talked to me and told me that I could be saved and I accepted Jesus Christ right there on the side of the road. That's what happened to me. That's being a witness. And if you do that, that vulnerability and that honesty is what God calls us to do. Anybody can do that. You can tell a co-worker how Jesus saved you and what it means to you. You can tell a neighbor how Jesus saved you and what it means to you. You can tell a family member. You can tell a friend. You can tell your own children just tell it just tell it be a witness this lady may be the greatest soul winner outside of Jesus and Paul that exists in the scriptures and she was not a church girl she just went and told a bunch of people what Jesus had done and they heard it and they received it too I believe there are prepared hearts all across America. Do you understand that just because the gospel was previously preached in our country doesn't mean that's a negative thing. It's a good thing. There are tensions across the globe. Wars and rumors of wars all over the place. Remember, Jesus told us that would happen. Political frustration and hopelessness. Broken marriages, broken homes. America is searching for something more than politicians and world peace because things are getting worse. I believe there are prepared hearts all across this region, all across our country. The fields have been prepared and people are listening again. We have been recruited by God to be workers in the prepared fields of our region to be a witness. Not only are there prepared fields, but there is a personal burden that grows from seeing. Did you notice that Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields? Did you catch that? And I'm going to have to be done. I'm losing you. I didn't, I didn't intend to turn this into a series. 
There are prepared fields all around us. And we just simply need one impactful voice to be a witness. You don't know until you just tell them. Parents, tell your kids what Jesus did for you. Tell your kids. When they're young enough to begin understanding, tell them the story of the day that Jesus saved you. We talk about, about so many other things with them that are pointless and useless. Video games and Hollywood and, and books that aren't going to really help them in their life's development. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying stop and say something meaningful to them. Tell them what Jesus did for you. And tell it over and over and over again. There are prepared fields all around us. And it just takes one voice sometimes to be the one that brings a person to Jesus. We are all called to that endeavor. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please, please impress upon our hearts the need to be one voice that maybe finally makes a difference. Lord, help us not to be apathetic towards witnessing to people who have already heard. Help us to understand that maybe it's the fact that the ground has been prepared and they just need us to be that one final witness. Lord, please, I beg you, send a revival to this region like we have not seen. A Holy Ghost, earth-moving revival for the lost in our region, for the lost in our lives, the ones that we come in contact with. Please, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking.